Welcome to Land Life, a podcast for North Coast landholders by North Coast Local Land Services. This podcast is all about sharing knowledge and experience with landholders across our region to support farm productivity and healthy environments. North Coast Local Land Services acknowledges the traditional custodians of all the nations on which we live, work and play. We pay our respects to Elders past, present and emerging and extend that respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people listening to this podcast. As we head into the winter of 2021, most North Coast landholders can look forward to a fairly easygoing season. Conditions have been good and the annual winter feed gap is looking not so bad compared to previous years. And whilst our high rainfall and subtropical environment mostly result in enviable growing conditions, they also create the ideal conditions to host the full suite of internal and external cattle parasites. In today's episode, I chat with North Coast Local Land Services District Vet Liz Bolan and Senior Ag Advisor Nathan Jennings about some of the parasites cattle owners have to deal with and what they're doing to try and address drench resistance on the North Coast. big ones that we, we have on the North Coast obviously are worms and the other one is, is liver fluke. So in regards to liver fluke, uh, we see liver fluke, it occurs in areas that have swampy land or creek flats or, or rivers um, and it relies on the intermediate um, life stage and basically the cattle pick up the larval stages as they're in the grass when they're grazing um, and they developed into the adult form within the liver of the cow and the, the reason that it causes production loss is that that adult liver fluke actually feeds on the blood of the cattle. So the cow has to basically eat more to make more blood to support that parasite. So obviously you're going to be losing production when that process is happening. So the idea on the North Coast is that we always recommend to find out whether you have a liver fluke pro- problem on your property to start with. It always involves actually sampling your cattle, so sampling either a blood test or a faecal sample from your cows. The blood test basically um, is an antibody test and it can you can just take a, a small percentage of your herd to give you an estimate of, of your herd status or a faecal sample. The faecal sample isn't as a sensitive test as the blood test, but it's another way and you're actually looking for the liver fluke eggs in the faeces when you do a faecal sample. So, yes, we recommend producers checking whether they actually have a problem first before investing money in liver fluke control. So once you've worked out that you actually do have a problem on your property, the next step is to actually put a plan in place to manage that parasite over the course of the year. So in a wet year like we're having this year, we will be seeing large liver fluke burdens on, on endemic properties. So the idea is we, we talk about the A months, so to drench cattle for liver fluke in the A months, so April and August. So you basically the idea is to, to drench some in April with a, a drench that's actually going to kill both the, the adult stages of the liver fluke and the larval stages that exist in the cow and then to repeat a drench in August with something that will kill the actual adult stages, just to clean up anything that wasn't killed in the initial drenching in April. And then we also recommend with a young stock to possibly do another drench over the summer months because they're more susceptible, older cattle generally a little bit more resistant to liver flukes. So. And is it the same with worms as well as far as the testing goes? 
Exactly. So we always, with anything, it's better science to actually gauge whether there is a problem first before putting money into drenches, um, both in regards to the commercial sense, so spending money, but also in regards to causing resistance to chemicals in these parasites if you're using it when you don't really need to. So we, we like to minimise the use, but we do understand that when you do have a problem that it is actually a good financial decision to actually use chemical control of, of internal parasites like worms. Can you also just talk for a minute about some of the common external parasites that people would see? It's really obvious when a cow is carrying a heavy buffalo fly burden, but are there other external parasites that are common to the yes. North Coast? During the drought, we saw a lot of lice on cattle um, and they're, they're harder to see. Uh, the signs that your cows have got lice, um, are they'll sort of start to lose hair around the neck and their face because they're rubbing because they're extremely puretic or itchy. Um, they push over like fence posts with all their rubbing. They're sort of signs that you, you've got a, a lice problem on your property. Um, other big ones that we have on the north coast are, are ticks. Um, we've got several different ticks that the cattle can get on the north coast. So there's bush ticks, there's paralysis ticks. Um, and, of course, there's there's cattle tick, which is a notifiable disease on the north coast. And um, if you are unsure about what ticks your cattle may be carrying, it's always good to have them identified because if you do have a cattle tick problem, it's something that you need to notify the authorities about because they can potentially carry um, a blood parasite called Babesia or Anaplasma, um, which can actually cause death in your herd. So it's um, okay. it's important to, if you do have a tick problem, to, to identify what exactly that tick is. The fundamental thing to think about when you're thinking uh, about internal parasites in, in cattle in a commercial sense is that if you've got decreased growth rates, you're going to have decreased productivity. And it's a simple equation is decreased productivity equals decrease in your income. Mm. So by not having an internal parasite program on your, your property, you potentially it's actually costing the producer money. Um, so, so it is our recommendation that all producers think about parasite control um, and, and what it means on their property. And, and if they don't have a plan, it's potentially costing them money. So that's something really, it's, it's, it's the bottom line and it's, it's really important. Given the importance of managing parasites for both productivity and animal welfare, it's understandably frustrating when chemical treatments don't work. Liz has been working with Nathan Jennings on a trial investigating the effectiveness of common chemical treatments on internal parasites in young cattle. I caught up with Nathan in the field to learn more about the trial and what it means for North Coast landholders. Um, I'm here with Nathan standing in the paddock having a chat about a, a drench trial that he's been managing for North Coast Local Land Services. So Nathan, can you tell me a little bit about what you've been doing and give a bit of background for people who don't know that much about what a drench trial might involve? Yeah, so Mindy, basically we wanted to have a look at um, the effectiveness of our common worm control products um, in young classes of cattle here on the north coast and that really came about from 
some larger scale commercial producers continually asking me, are, are these particular products still working? Are they effective? Am I getting the best, you know, worm control for my dollar spend? Um, because it's a fairly significant cost um, at the commercial scale. But there is also, on the, um, for smaller producers, the impact of worms on animals' health and uh, well-being. So worm control is obviously just as important um, regardless of if you run five or 500 head of cattle overall. So we originally set up and worked with um, New South Wales DPI and also Verback Animal Health were contributors where we wanted to basically try and replicate the, if you walk into a rural store on the north coast saying I need a worm control product for my cattle they are likely to give you one of five very common products so um, we looked at our moxidectin poron a doramectin poron a moxidectin levamazole poron so these are all products that are just basically squirted as a backline down the back of the cattle and we also looked at a levamazole oral drench and also an oxvenazole oral drench, which is, as it implies, um, given um, through the mouth down the throat. Those products, um, the combination product is a newer entrant to the market, so we we're keen to see how it would perform against the older traditional products that have been around for a while. We had, yeah... 240 steers in that group so we had one group where we didn't um, conduct any treatment on because we wanted to see what happened you know if you don't treat your cattle um, and all the others were broken into groups of 40 so we then had our vets conduct worm egg test um, from a large portion of each animals from those groups they're all run together in the same paddock same conditions they were all rotated around different paddocks together um, one of the key things we found was that in our control group, uh, where we didn't treat any of them, um, the worm egg count were very high initially and basically continued to increase. So even though we were rotating around our paddocks, they were still being impacted by the worm burden that they carried. Um, one of the main species that affected the cattle on the north coast here was our barber's pole worm, which is basically a bloodsucker. Um, that really knocked the weight gain um, around in in the cattle in the trial. So I guess our one message for producers is, or anyone with cattle that um, consider getting a worm egg test done, and you can speak to a vet about that if you're not familiar how that is conducted, to find out, do you have a worm burden? I would suspect that most properties will find they have a worm burden in their young class of cattle. Uh, what species of worms are present within those animals because different species of worms are potentially resistant to different chemical products that are available then from that making sure you select a product that is going to be quite effective which your you know vets or LLS advisory staff can can help you with because animals that weren't treated ended up being about 10 kilos lighter within 28 days so that's how much weight or effect the worms have on those young classes of cattle. For the commercial producer, that transferred out to be $65 a head difference in value over 90 days. So there's quite a economic um, benefit to using an effective product versus not treating or an ineffective product. Likewise, 
to someone who may have just a few pet house cows, just that overall welfare and well-being, um, growth rates and overall wellness of the animals. And so are you able to talk to us about which of the treatments was was the effective treatment or what people should be seeking out? Yeah, for sure, Mindy. So again, if people, as I mentioned before, um, consider getting a worm egg test conducted on their cattle, first of all, that's going to tell you do I have worms and if so how, how many worms are present and also the, the larval culture or the ID which will identify the species of worms. Um, in our trial the most effective products we found were actually the moxidectin levamazole combination so it's got two active ingredients in the one poron almost identically followed by uh, the oxvenazole oral drench and also the levamazole oral drench. Those three products um, were the most effective. Our least effective of um, the drenches applied was the doramectin poron, um, and as I said, it virtually followed along the trend line with the control group or those that weren't treated. So we're definitely not advocating to anyone run out to your rural store and just go and buy a combination poron or one of those oral drenches I've mentioned before. It's about let's find out what worms I've got in my cattle, uh, what species are there, and then look to select a product that's going to be most effective against those. Again, most the most common worm species we had here in the cattle were the barber's pole worm, uh, uh, which is a bloodsuckers. Um, if you're further west or further down south, we may find it could be ostatasia, which is a different species, which therefore um, you may require a different drench product. But... Um, the cattle that we purchased and used in the trial were all uh, from North Coast beef producers, so they were off, in, in the end it ended up being off 60 different properties. Um, so we consider that a fair indication as to what's going on out there um, commercially. So the other thing we really want to get across to people is that simply going to a store and getting a you know one size fits all product for example a lot of the combination pour on or pour on drench products do have some effectiveness against buffalo fly and ticks and other things like that um, if we continually misuse those products as in use those drench products because they have some control against external parasites we are potentially creating a worm resistance issue which is what we're starting to potentially see on the north coast often when people go to their rural store they'll get advice around what's kind of effective in their area at the moment and what to use or what to avoid but I guess the main message is that for worms you need to test and use the appropriate treatment and separate out the external parasite treatment. What about some of the non-chemical treatment or control methods that are being trialled out there? I know there, there's lots of organic farms that are using uh, they're selecting their herd based on things like buffalo fly immunity. Yep. How effective are those things? Yeah, so look, I guess we'll start, if we start with buffalo fly, um, one of the, I guess, recommended management strategies for reducing buffalo fly um, incidents or in within a herd is to consider culling or removing from the herd animals that are more irritated by buffalo fly and, and they definitely are within the same breed between different breeds there are some animals for whatever reason they just genetically show more irritation from the fly so it can always be hard 
to it's often quite a good cow for other reasons but um if you're someone that's like to try and keep your chemical usage down and and aren't prepared to um use i guess the traditional sort of chemical control methods then possibly considering selling that cow um or effectively removing it from the herd is a way to you know i guess reduce the welfare issues associated with it if we come around to worm control um one again we definitely advocate sort of like your rotational grazing and things like that you know the longer a paddock can be rested therefore there's less you know reconsumption of worm eggs larvae and going through the cattle one thing we did find in the trial that with our cuperia species of worm that were also present the rate of reinfestation um, was very quick here in the north coast basically what it means we've got ideal conditions for worm egg larvae to persist on pastures so it's a bit of a balancing act if you're managing your grazing for the optimal plant growth and nutrition by the time the cattle come back around unfortunately it's probably not enough time for the worm egg larvae to have reduced in number here on the north coast and it's only because we've got such a nice area it's humid moist everything that can ensure survival out west you know where they can get hot dry summers or really low winter temperatures those strategies might prove a bit more effective but again we still definitely want rotational grazing considered um, but just be aware it's not going to be the only option for worm control. If you're unsure about managing parasites in your cattle, you can speak to your local vet or call your nearest local land services office for advice. There's also a fact sheet on our website at www.lls.newsouthwales.gov.au or click the link in the episode notes. This podcast is jointly funded through North Coast Local Land Services and the Australian Government's National Land Care Program. 